The hippest Amiga mod player returns. More about this and other stories on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Hippo player returns in 2021. It's Zelda's turn to get the game and watch treatment. Lester's Retro Computer Museum reopens. All this in our community question on the week on This Week in Retro. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. So as you probably noticed, Neil is out this week and we have a special guest. Thank you, Boat. You know, I've always considered myself sort of an unlicensed West Virginia knockoff of Neil. Uh, We're both bald. We both have beards. We're both ruggedly handsome. We both have voices as smooth as a velvet child. Oh, yes. And we both have a love and adoration for classic computing and retro gaming. It's an honor to be here, Boat. Let's kick it off. When the Amiga was unleashed on the general populace back in 1985, it boasted features no other computer could dream about at the time. You've got true multitasking, high-res graphics modes no other micro could touch, and of course, games that could rival their arcade counterparts. Now, Aaron, which of these were the killer features for you when you were in the market for an Amiga? Were you in it for the high-res graphics, the multitasking? What, what, what got you into the Amiga scene? You know, really, I, I entered the scene for the desktop puffs. No, it's games, brother. It's games all the time. That's the only reason I got into it, and that's the reason I stayed. I love me some games. Well, for many people, the true innovation in computing ushered in by the Amiga was the burgeoning popularity of mod files. Now, mod files weren't new with or exclusive to the Amiga, but because of the huge success of the machine, particularly in the UK and Europe, they really took off. I mean, you can't have a good demo without a mod pumping out some electronic drum and bass tracks in the background. I'm sure you know what I mean, Aaron. Uh, Tell me about your memories of rocking out to Amiga mods. Listen... I, to this day, have a huge collection of floppy disks with mods that I downloaded off the BBSs back in the day. The first time I heard mod files, I, it, it was amazing. I could not believe that the computer could make these noises. Keep in mind, I was coming off of the Tandy and PC line, and where you were lucky if you got a, two, two or three sounds, and usually you had to put up with the old beeps and boops. So when the Amiga honed in the view with its multi-channel, multi-track channeled music, the beautiful, I love that driving beat. I know it's not your favorite, but I love that stuff. I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. And so I endeavored to collect as many as I could. And it's one of the things I've salvaged from my old disc were the mods, because those were sort of irreplaceable, because they were my mods. They were the ones that I grabbed on purpose because they had the sound that I liked. Yeah, yeah, well, get ready to fire up that disc full of mods because a new version of Hippo Player has just been announced. Now, you may recall that Hippo Player was originally created for the Amiga back in the 90s, and it was the platform of choice of lots of Amiga enthusiasts because it was designed to work on all versions of Amiga OS all the way back to 1.3, and it'll actually run on any model of Amiga regardless of the specs. Uh, Hippo Player was coded by Finnish programmer Kari Becca Koyonen in 1990. And it was up, updated often throughout the Amiga's later life, but everything went dark after the January 2000 update until last week. Last week, Aaron, when version 2.46 was released on GitHub. Now, Aaron, did you ever use Hippo Player back in the day, or what what mod player were you using to play these mods? I was using Hippo Player, man. Oh, it was awesome. the uh, number one with a bullet. Now, uh, you could run your mods 
I mean, if you rigged up your directory opus, for example, to uh, play your mods, you could write them. You could bring it up however you wanted. But yeah, Hippo Player was sort of the number one with a bullet, and the fact that it was updated up until 2000 is pretty astonishing. Yeah. And then the fact that after 21 years they come back with another update is mind blowing. It's uh, sort of a. Uh, it shows you that the Amiga is back. It's moving forward. It's going up. Uh, all sorts of great things are happening in the Amiga community. New hardware, new software. I expect updates like this to happen quite a bit as people reintroduce themselves to these Amigas or upgrade their Amiga with new hardware that make it more powerful. They want to go back and be able to play these mod files, and they're going to have to keep updating these utilities to stay in line with the new surge in Amiga action. Yeah, you're right, man, because now these days you can download you know, tens of thousands of mods with just a couple clicks, and because of the speed of the Internet, you can make that happen right away. And one of the fixes in this version was that the Hippo player would start to stutter. It wouldn't completely go through a playlist if the playlist was too large. So they fixed all that, and there's also some other fixes, including better memory management, uh, improvements in overall stability. It's, it's nothing earth-shattering, but, you know, it, like you said, it's always nice to see classic Amiga applications continue to be updated and refined by the original creator. That's super cool, too. So thank you to Amiga Love for originally reporting on this story and our producer, Duncan, for bringing it to our attention. Aaron, emulating the Amiga can be a real bear. You've got to track down the latest and greatest emulator. You've got to rip your Kickstart files from the original machine. Then you've got to traverse the, let's be honest, somewhat sketchy path of wading through the weeds of ROM sites to find all those ADFs you remember playing before all your games were unceremoniously bend when you moved away to uni. Well, the li dear listener, there is another way. Amiga Forever gives you a one-click Amiga solution that works first time, every time. Everything you need is included, from the latest edition of UAE to officially licensed Kickstart ROMs. It even comes with a full library of games that launch with a single click. But that's not all. New to this edition of Amiga Forever, you can now decompress LHA files from the main menu. That's right, no messing around with the workbench environment at all to play WHD load games unless you want to. To check out all that Amiga Forever has to offer and download a free demo version, check out AmigaForever.com. We thank Amiga Forever for sponsoring this week's episode. All right, Aaron, E3 was last week. The oh, Electronic yes. Entertainment Expo. Did you watch any of E3? I caught a little bit and piece of it, but, uh, you know, th they talk about stuff that I don't care much about anymore, so I don't really pay much attention. Yeah, yeah. Hey, of course, E3 is all about focused on the future, but every once in a while, uh, especially from the more storied uh, video game companies, they throw a bone to the retro fans out there, and they've done this with a new game and watch. Now, you may remember uh, last year, uh, Nintendo made some waves by re-releasing a uh, Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers that was the classic format of the original 1980s Game & Watch units, but updated to play the full version of the NES game uh, Super Mario Brothers. Now, Aaron, did you have any Game & Watch units back in the day? You know, it's funny. I never had any of these, but I had friends that had them, and they were a lot of fun. I remember playing uh, like uh, Mario Cement Factory, for example, was one I, I thought was really neat. And they had a, they had like a Donkey Kong. I think they had Donkey Kong Junior as well. You know, I'm a Donkey Kong Mark boat, so mm -hmm. I had to play those. Uh, but they were really neat. Of course, uh, the original Game and Watches were sort of those uh, LCD display with the you know the the barely moving graphics that went up and down the screen. Uh, it's interesting that they chose to go in a different direction with these. I mean, I'm sure people are they're going to sell more that have with when you have actual games in there as opposed to the LCD ones. But 
part of me sort of would like to see them re-release the classic uh, games just because they are, of course, uh, right in my ballpark, and I couldn't own them back then, and now I can't afford to own them. So, right. <laughs> But it's still neat that they're going back to that format, and I'm sure these things are doing real well because they sort of they have a foot in two different eras with these. Mm-hmm. It is sort of cool, though. The Game & Watch line, they came in sort of the, I don't know, you could compare it to like a GBA-style form factor first, where yep. it was just you had the, the buttons and the D-pad on either side of the screen. They also had the clamshell yeah. uh, models, which, you know, they, they, they just sort of mirror uh, Nintendo's handheld systems as they went down the line. And then there were also, I wouldn't call them full-size uh, uh, tabletop units like the Coleco ones, but there were also some that did sit on a desktop and that you yeah. could play. And so uh, there were, Nintendo's got a wide sort of mind to mind when it comes to these things. Uh, and I expect them to, you know, obviously the Mario one probably did really well. Uh, and, of course, this one, which we're going to talk about right now, the Zelda one. Now, this new Game & Watch device includes three games. One of the big uh, sort of uh, detriments to the first uh, Game & Watch Mario unit was that it only played Super Mario Bros. 1. Uh, this one, Nintendo has listened to the fans, and they've included three games. The original Legend of Zelda for the NES, uh, Legend of Zelda Adventure of Link, and the original Game Boy game, Link's Awakening, which is my personal mm. favorite Zelda game of all time. So that's that's pretty exciting for me. That's a good angle, Boat. That, yeah, that, and that that's outside the page on that. That's a good. I think that's a good move because that one, that Game Boy version, was very well regarded. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And get this, Aaron, your wishes have also been granted because it also includes a version of the Game and Watch game Vermin, and they've replaced uh, the original character in Vermin with Link. So you can play that original uh, Game & Watch game on this unit as well. Excellent idea uh, on that. I think because uh, they've got a lot of complaints about those early ones. I heard uh, reports, like, for example, to use this as a watch, uh, if you, people wanted to set this up on their on their dresser or whatever, and it, but eventually this would just go dark, you know, mm-hmm. battery saver or whatever. I don't know if they've addressed that. But the idea of putting multiple games in this, great move. I like the idea of including a Game Boy game and an LCD game. That's a real clever move. These should move quite well, Boat. Yeah, yeah. And in addition to the games, uh, it also comes, of course, with the, with the clock function, just like the Mario one. Uh, but it also includes a playtime clock, so you can track how many hours you whittled away uh, playing Zelda and fighting through Zelda 2. Uh, there's also a timer included. So they, they, they're, they're innovating on these things, uh, slowly but surely. So uh, I'm sure as we move down the line and they continue to release these things, we'll get more and more improvements. But it's it's nice to see uh, that this thing is coming down the pike. Uh, I don't know that they've got a release date for this yet, uh, but it did, they did announce it at E3. I would I would ex- oh here we go. I guess it's coming in November. It's coming in November. Just in so. time for just time for Christmas, both. They're not stupid, right? <laughs> right. Just in time for the holiday season. Yeah. Um, now, Ze- of the three games on this, which one was your favorite? Zelda, Zelda Two, or The Adventure of Link? Uh, I didn't like any of them, Boat, to be honest with you. I don't like Zelda. So I'll go with the uh, Vermin uh, knockoff, the LCD game. That sounds like it'd be something I'd play. I just never got into the whole Zelda thing. I mean, listen, I know people love it. And my favorite Zelda is Zelda 2. Is that the one? Which is the side-scrolling one? That's is Zelda that... 2, yeah. Okay, yes, that one. That would be the one I would pick uh, uh, on to be on the machine. But I know everyone hates that one, so there you go. Yeah, well, be on the lookout for this to come uh, on November 12th, 2021, just in time for the holiday season. And we thank subreddit user Juicy Cow for sharing the story with us. 
Aaron, the C64 hardware scene continues to explode with new products being announced and released every single week. Uh, one of the latest ways to play all of the games you remember can be found over at RetroRewind.ca, and it's called the Kung Fu Flash. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just like the name implies, it turns your C64 or C128 into a ninja, quickly and efficiently loading any games you throw at it. That's what ninjas do, right? Uh, They load computer games. I'm not even sure if ninjas actually do kung fu. fu. Um, I think think I've lost myself in the weeds here. Uh, Anyway, the kung fu flash cart combines the functionality of a fast load cart with a program storage solution, kind of like the SDIEC interface, but you've got increased compatibility with this one. All you need to do is load up an SD card with all your favorite games, pop it in the kung fu flash, fire up your bread bin, and away you go. If you want to pick one of these up, just head over to RetroRewind.ca and get it while it's still available. From what I've heard, the chip shortage has meant that these may be in short supply. Mm. And of course, don't forget to use the code TWIR10 at checkout, and you can save 10% off the Kung Fu Flash or any order. A big thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring this week's show. Aaron, we are slowly emerging from the pandemic. People are out and about doing things like they used to do, getting together, having fun. Um, And now it's time to go and do some things that we've wanted to do for the past year and a half. Aaron, uh, where's a place that you're itching to get back to that you haven't been able to go yet because of the pandemic? You know, I I could go anywhere, and so anywhere I go is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just as a reference, when we went uh, to the big arcade uh, last week in Huntington, that was great. Playing pinball, playing arcade machines, being out amongst the people, if you will. Uh, it was glorious. Uh, doing a little bowling was fun. Uh, I'm just happy to be out and uh, mingling around again. Uh, it's a great time. And just with summer starting, it's the perfect time to get out and see stuff. Absolutely. Well, I've got one more location to add to your list, Aaron. Uh, the Leicester Computer Museum, uh, located in the UK in lovely downtown Thermiston. Uh, this museum has just reopened after 18 months of being shuttered due to coronavirus restrictions. I've got to say, Aaron, this museum sounds amazing. Uh, it's actually been open for a long time. It's been open for 13 years, and it's host to more than 40,000 games, consoles, and micros. Everything from early Pong units up through the Xbox. Now, I've had a gander through the photos from the link in the show notes, and it truly looks like a gamer's paradise. This is one of those museums where everything is hands-on, nothing's behind glass. You can sit down and you can use this stuff. There's rows and rows of old systems hooked up to CRTs that are just waiting for you to sit down and have a go. Now, Aaron, I know that you haven't been over to Leicester, but have you been to any sort of a computer museum at all before? You know, I, I think back in my in my brain here. I don't think there are any of these around here. No. Now, I have been to a radio museum, mm-hmm. and in this radio museum, they did have a display of early computers, uh, including the Coco, oh. exactly, which I've got sitting here, <laughs> and then some even a, a, a TRS-80 Model 1. It's always a little unnerving to go to a museum and see things you have in your house, uh, because, <laughs> but, but that does happen. But uh, we don't have anything like this around here. Boy, I wish we did. Yeah, I mean, I would say between the two of us, we probably have the largest uh, computer museum going on in the area. You're probably right, yeah. Between the things that we have. Now, uh, I know you've had a chance to look at some of the photos of the Leicester Computer Museum. Uh, What what caught your eye, just looking through the systems they've got over there? Well, they've got so much stuff, you know, and a lot of the stuff they've got is boxed. 
Uh, and and a lot of the boxes I've never even seen before. You know, I've I've seen some of the computers and consoles about the boxes. So instantly, I, and we've talked about this boat. I was drawn to the boxed Sam Coupe. The Sam Coupe. We've always wanted one here, and they're super rare. I would love to get my hands on one of those. And then I would also like to get my hands on a Acorn Archimedes, which you've Ooh. also been jonesing for, boat, for a long time. So those two are at the top of my list. They did have a lot of wacky systems. That They had a, a Pong variant that I'd never seen before with all kinds of crazy knobs and a weird color. Of course, they made those Pongs you know, by the bushel. So God only knows how many different designs of that are out there. What did you see up there that you liked? Man, I'd love to be able to get my hands on a real MSX. Uh, I've played mm. a bunch uh, with emulation through the Mister. The Mister makes it super easy to get on board, yeah. but I've never gotten a chance to use the real thing before. Uh, they've also got one of those old Commodore Pets, the thirty, yeah. uh, the thirty thirty two, which looks totally seventies, totally retro. I'd love to try that yeah. out too. That's one of the, that's a machine that I'd love to have sitting on a table just as a piece of furniture. It just looks cool sitting there. Yeah, um, I agree. They look like they look like they're from the not too distant future of the past in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I know that you know you've got a huge collection of computers over at the pad. Is there anything left that you want to add to your collection, or have you got pretty much everything you want? There's always something you're after, you know. Um, you know, watching ironically watching Neil's series. I really would like to get me a, a, a six, an X68000. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a, uh, a, a FM Towns or an FM Towns Marty or my particular want and desire, the car Marty. That's the oh, one yes. I'm after just because it's so <laughs> ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to have me a car Marty. Uh, I wouldn't mind having uh, some of the early British uh, kit computers, you know, like a Namcom or something like that. That'd be fun to play with the real ancient stuff. I, I don't know if I'd want to put it together, but I'd like to have someone's. They would build these things out of like glossy wood and stuff. They'd make them mm-hmm. real exquisite looking. It'd be nice to have someone kind of pass it down to me from over there. That'd be kind of fun too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd love to have one of those old. That that is something you know we've got here. We've got the the CPC. We've got a, a ZX Spectrum, uh, but we don't lucky. have anything before that. We don't have yeah. a, a ZX eighty. We definitely don't have the NASCOM. That's that's, that's yeah. definitely before our time. So that would be really cool to get. Um, now, getting back to the computer museum. I mean, next time I'm back over across the pond, hopefully next year sometime. This is definitely going to be on my list. So if you're interested in going yourself. The Leicester Computer Museum is open every Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And the admission price is £7.50 for adults and four fifty for children. Uh, thanks to subreddit user I Got Zero Budget for sharing this story with us. Aaron, last week's community question of the week was, what old hobby have you rediscovered or new hobby have you started during the pandemic? First response comes from Headers D, and he says, well, what with Brexit and the pandemic, the day job has kept me pretty busy, but I have found time to start learning to solder. Now, if you're in the UK, of course, that's solder. Uh, In large part, thanks to the peerless Mark Fixes stuff. Go Patreon him up if you haven't already. I wouldn't say I'm fully competent yet, but I've managed to composite mod my Atari 2600 and recap my Spectrum without breaking anything. Aaron, would you consider yourself to be a pretty good hand with the old soldering iron? I I do consider myself to be a pretty good hand. In fact, I'm actually putting together a program to teach other people in my division how to solder. And I worked for IBM for a while, so I I, I would say I have some skills. That's an excellent uh, talent to pick up, though, especially if you're in this hobby. 
And if you recapped your Specky, I think you are well on your way. Yeah, yeah, because that's a tiny board with lots of components, so absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also got a response from Plum Creek. Plum Creek writes, I built a four-player Raspberry Pi arcade machine. Took way too long and cost way too much, but I stuck with it, and I now have an arcade machine like I've always wanted since I was a kid. It's not perfect, but I learned an awful lot from my successes and mistakes. Plus, I now have the tools and knowledge to tackle other wood and electronics projects. You know, Aaron, it's never uh, it's never been easier to jump into the arcade world, uh, the arcade machine world, because of the one-up machines. You know, they've sort of brought the arcade machine experience home to the the unwashed masses, if you will. Now, uh, those of us that are unwashed that were into arcade machines before, you know, you could either go to an auction, you could pick one up from, you know, just somebody that was selling one, or you could attempt to build it yourself. Now, Aaron, did you ever think about constructing your own arcade machine from bare wood? I thought about it for about five minutes before I realized I didn't have the skills the time, the money, or the inclination to pull it off. That's why this particular Reddit user that commented, you got to give him credit, because from what it sounds like, he actually built this thing from the ground up out of wood. You know, the electronics part of an arcade machine, it's not that big a deal. I mean, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. But the woodworking part, that requires uh, skills that uh, few have. And to do a good job, it requires even better skills. You know, I had a buddy that farmed out having a control panel made for one of his arcade machines. And when he got the arcade panel back, they had literally made it out of a side of a log. It still had bark on it. So because you can make stuff out of wood doesn't mean you're good at it. So you have to be both, Boat. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I've never, I, you know, I, I had trouble making the uh, the birdhouse in shop class. So I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'm cut out to make an arcade machine from scratch. And finally, Starcade 2084 writes, Not so much rediscovered as eradicated. Uh, dungeon or yeah eradicated that's just i wasn't expecting that word dungeons and dragons so he says been playing D since 1981 but it's been about a decade since my last dice roll so i decided it was time to liquidate nearly 40 years of old game stock and clear out the closet thankfully pandemic bound e-barriers were a lot more than willing to assist now aaron sitting behind you i right now there's an entire bookshelf full of role-playing books and I'll wager to guess that it's it's definitely been a year or so since we were last role-playing. Uh, is it time, Aaron, is it time for you to just go through and sell that stuff? Or maybe just bend it in the dumpster? Not just no, but hell no. They'll, they'll pry my, my AD&D DMs got out of my cold, dead hand boat. You know, I, I've been when I heard that story, I, I thought I was going in a different direction. Me too. Selling all your D&D stuff. No, no, for the love of God, no. This stuff's gold. It's solid gold. I got stuff back there from Gary Gygax, all the big masters of Dungeons & Dragons. I've been in the game for a long time. I've managed to collect stuff that you can't get anymore. And uh, it's still fun. It holds up. And true role-playing is something that you can't can't play remotely. You can't simulate it with a video game. I mean, you can come close, but you've got to be at the table. You've got to have Mountain Dew, pizza right beside you, or maybe your favorite whiskey. And you've got to have all your boys and girls right beside you, right in arm's reach. When they screw up, you can smack the back of their head. It's a glorious thing, and I can't wait till we can regather the troops and go at it again, Boat. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, 
This week's community question of the week is, what would your dream retro computer museum contain? Please post your responses in the subreddit, and we'll read the top three most upvoted responses on the air next week. So now that we've reached the end of the show, uh, I thought we'd take a moment to uh, talk a little bit more about who you are, amigo Aaron. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit about what you do on the internet. Well, Boat, I run a show with a fellow you may have heard of named you, and we are both part of the Amigos Everything Amiga podcast. We've been doing that show for, gosh, I think going on, what, six years, Boat? Almost seven years. We also host a a slew of other shows, uh, including a show based on the Atari 8-bit called 1200XL. We host a show called R. Sinclair, where we explore the gaming elements of the Sinclair, a machine which we didn't grow up with, so everything's new and exciting to us because we haven't seen any of it. We also do a show dedicated to the quirky, tandy TRS-80 color computer called The Coco Show, where we go through its back catalog of games. And lastly, uh, myself and my brother, The Brent, host a show called ARG Presents every Sunday morning where we spin a wheel and randomly pick a topic and pick two games to play each week. We never know what we're going to play the next week. It's always a good time. We keep ourselves busy, Boat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for stepping in. Literally, at the 11th hour, you literally found out you were doing this about one hour before we started recording. So uh, thank you so much for stepping in uh, and uh, filling in for Neil this week. No worries, folks. Neil will be back next week, and the show will resume as normal. But thank you, Aaron, for joining us, and we will see you next time on This Week in Retro. Today's episode of This Week in Retro comes thanks to our partners at Anchor FM. Whether you're new to the game or you have an existing successful podcast, Anchor FM offer a home where you can extend your audience and find new sponsorship opportunities to make it the most successful podcast it can be. That's right, Neil. We love Anchor, and that's why we use them to host This Week in Retro. You should check them out at anchor.fm for more info. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC and John Shawler. It was produced by me, Duncan Stiles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favorite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash This Week in Retro to suggest and vote on stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you'd like to support the show, please check out the links to our Patreon and Coffee pages in the show notes or in the YouTube description. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.